Stem cell science is changing medicine and our understanding of human development. Learn more with the Stem Cell Channel. Visit uctv.tv slash stem cell. I am Deborah Liu. Um, I'm from UC Davis, from the Department of Cardiovascular Medicine. And today I'm going to talk to you about um, my research on the quest for pacemaking cardiomyocytes for engineering biopacemakers. So there has been a great interest in regenerative medicine for the heart because, as you know, cardiomyocytes from or cardiomyocytes or the heart muscle t- uh, cells and their stem cells, precursor cells, have very limited uh, proliferative potential. And this is well documented by the study that shows the turnover rate is actually quite low, um, less than two percent after your ten years of age. Um, so to replace these cells that are lost due to disease or age, um, there needs to be a source of human cells. So one possible source is human pluripotent stem cells. And these cells have the ability to self-renewal, um, and they can also expand um, indefinitely in culture and differentiate into any cell type in the human body, including uh, cardiomyocytes or heart muscle cells, the infamous one being the human embryonic stem cells. Um, but my lab only works with human-induced pluripotent stem cells that have the same self-renewal potential and the ability to differentiate in, into any cell type. Um, but then these cells originate from cells from people's uh, skin or blood, so they don't have ethical problems. And these cells are reprogrammed or reset back to this primitive state by overexpressing these combination of transcription factors that can reset the, the cells back to a pluripotent state. So once we get the iPSCs or the human-induced pluripotent cells, how do we get to contracting cardiomyocytes? Well, we copy, of course. We copy how the organs develop in embryogenesis um, by looking at the chemical environment during the development. So two well-established differentiation protocols from Dr. Sean Polachek's lab and Dr. Gordon Kelly's lab, uh, these protocols pretty much shows that if you take the iPSCs and you add BMP or active NA or um, some kind of wind active in the first stage, you can get the cells become mesoderm, and then followed by some kind of wind inhibitor in the later cardiac mesoderm stage, you can get these cells eventually become cardiomyocytes. However, the yield for these cells is not 100% cardiomyocytes. You get other cell types such as endothelial cell, fibroblasts, and on top of that, not all cardiomyocytes are the same. So you can largely categorize um, functionally um, you can categorize the cardiomyocytes largely by their function, but by their functions into pacemaking and contractile uh, subtypes. Um, so the pacemaking cells, um, they're really there to generate action potentials or to set the heart rhythm. So for uh, applications such as to engineer a bio pacemaker, you would need these cells to be able to self-generate action potential. And they tend to be smaller and have fewer myofilaments. Um, on the other hand, if you want to replace cells for heart attack, you would need more contractile cells, and these cells t- tend not to have any uh, ability to self-generate action potentials without outside electrical stimulus, and they tend to be larger and have more abundance of myofilaments to generate contraction to pump the blood. So based on our work, we have shown that you can get ventricular-like, atrial-like, and pacemaker-like cells from iPSC-derived cardiomyocytes. And we can identify these largely by their action potentials or electrical signature from these voltage changes from these cells. And based on the the phenotype, we can see that pacemaking cells shown by the orange bar is actually the smallest fraction of these subtypes. So how can we increase this pacemaking fraction? So something that we have tried is biochemical differentiation. 
looking at the biochemical environment. So one study has shown that if you eliminate this PX2 transcription factor, you actually can get development of another pacemaking tissue in the left atrium as well, as shown by the green arrows here. So we think that by knocking down this PX2 expression, uh, transcription factor expression, then we can actually promote development of pacemaking cells in our differentiation. So we decided to block something upstream, the nodal pathway that controls the PX2 expression by a small molecule SB431542. And so we added this SB small molecules in a stage-by-stage manner to test along the differentiation timeline. And then we found that uh, when we add in the cardiac mesoderm stage from day differentiation day three to five, we um, don't see an adverse effect on the differentiation um, as assessed by troponin T expression, which is an indirect uh, assessment of differentiation efficiency of cardiomyocytes. And then we also can see from the video below, um, comparing to the control cells shown on the left, when we added SB, you can see the contraction rate is actually much faster and the, the contraction amplitude is actually smaller. And this is a good sign that we're getting more cardio, uh, pacemaking cardiomyocytes. And then we did some flow cytometry to uh, assess the cells. Um, so first we looked at the yield of uh, cardiomyocytes, which can be uh, determined by the number of troponin T positive cells, which is shown on the box on the top side of the, all, all the plots. Um, and then you can see that uh, when we added SB in both IPS lines that we tested, there's actually an increase in the yield of cardiomyocytes as shown by the, the red bars. And these cells are actually smaller than the control cells, and that's an indication of pacemaking cells. And we also looked at some pro-pacemaking transcription factor, Tbox18 and Tbox3, and you can see uh, when we added SB, it shifts the histograms to the right, and that indicates that there's a higher expression of TBX18 and TBX3, and we quantify these uh, increased expression in two different cell lines, and you can see relative to normalized baseline, um, there's increase in the expression of these transcription factors after we added the SB molecule. And then next, we verified the protein expression of shocks to pro-pacemaking transcription factor shocks 2 showing green, and also IL-1 showing red. And when we add SB, you can see there's increase in uh, staining in the nuclei of the iPSC-derived cardiomyocytes. And similarly for Tbox3 and 18, there's also increased expression in the SB differentiated cells. And then the ultimate test is really functional tests in these cells. So we looked at the action potentials of these SB differentiated cells relative to control cells um, using whole cell patch clamp that look like the, that measures the uh, voltage of the cells. And we also did this with another method that recorded the cell optically with the voltage-sensitive dye. Um, so I won't go too much detail into the data, um, but you can see the action potentials from, from the SB-differentiated cells are actually have more um, action potential that resemble more like pacemaking cells um, compared to the control cells. And another factor that could possibly affect cell characteristics is really the microenvironment or the extracellular matrix that surround the cells. So extracellular matrix is basically a network of extracellular matrix protein that can create this scaffold that surrounds the cell. So we hypothesize that the extracellular matrix, uh, extracellular matrix or ECM from the pacemaking tissue uh, or the sinoatrial may be a more suitable microenvironment to promote and maintain the pacemaking phenotype in the iPS-derived cardiomyocytes. So we 
took a stepwise reverse engineering strategy to first look at what is different about the ECM in the sinoatrial or the pacemaking tissue. So we uh, harvested the tissue from a pig heart and we identified the pacemaking region by a region that's negative for this contractile marker connexin 43 and positive for this pacemaking ion channel HCM4. And then we decellularized, which means we extracted, we chemically ex- extracted the resonant cells out to leave only a matrix scaffold behind. And then we, we assessed the ultrastructure of the matrices and we found that the sinoatrional matrix are, have these more rope-like uh, fibrils compared to the left ventricular matrix. And uh, when we measured the stiffness uh, of the sinoatrional um, and that's quantified by this stiffness factor, Young's modulus. You can see the sinoatrial matrix um, shown by this distribution of uh, moduli. It's actually higher um, or more stiffer than the left ventricular matrix. And we also did mass spectrometry to look at the biochemical composition of the proteins in the matrix. And in general, uh, there's more abundance of fibrillar collagen in the sinoatrial compared to the left ventricular ventricle. And also there's actually abundance of elastin as well, stretchable elastin as well. And we also did immunostaining to look at distribution of some of the major uh, extracellular matrix proteins. Um, so based on our findings, we came up with this hypothesis that if you consider the sinoatrial matrix as a composite material, then the pacemaking cells are actually enclosed in this stiff tensile-bearing uh, fibrillar collagen region while their elastin uh, fibers that spans the stiff region. So when the heart is undergo active contraction, the elastic region will actually undergo deformation more readily than the stiff region, and that this will protect the cells inside the stiff region from mechanical strain um, compared to the cells that are actually in the left ventricular matrix. The cells will actually experience more strain because they're not as well protected by the matrix. Um, so this is just showing a force plot. We think the force is actually higher um, imposed on the cells in the contractile region than the pacemaking region. So we decided to test to see if we can use the sinoatrial matrix to better maintain and protect the pacemaking cells. So we took the porcine heart, we again decellularized the sinoatrial matrix um, and also the left ventricular matrix as a control. Um, and then we differentiated our IPS, uh, IPSCs to cardiomyocytes. And then uh, we recellularized or basically seeded the, the matrices with our iPSC-derived cardiomyocytes. So now we have recellularized sinoatrial heart tissue and also for control, we have recellularized left ventricular heart tissue. And in the end, we'll tr- actually transplant this into the diaphragm of uh, immune-compromised uh, mice to basically use the mouse as a bioreactor to subject these tissue constructs to cyclic mechanical contractions at a, a, a rate that's similar to a fetal heart rate, but without any electrical impulse interference from the resident muscle cells because the skeletal muscles from the diaphragm do not electrically couple with the cardiac uh, muscle cells. So we don't have to worry about any electrical interference from the skeletal muscles. So right after recellularization, we noticed that the iPSC-derived cardiomyocytes showing the red um, that were seeded onto the sinoatrial matrix they organize themselves into clusters, uh, very much like the native sinoatrial at the t- very top. Versus those cells that were seeded onto the left ventricular matrix, you can see they form these aligned layers, very much like the native left ventricular matrix. And then we also did some functional measurements looking at the calcium uh, dynamics. 
using this GCAMP uh, calcium sensitive dye, uh, sensitive probe that look at the frequency of calcium changes. Um, and then what we found is the rate of changes in these uh, the cells that were seeded onto cyanoeutrino is definitely much faster than those on the left ventricular matrix, um, as shown on the bottom right graph. And the amplitude is also smaller. So these are uh, traits that are indicating pacemaking-like cardiomyocytes. And then we transplanted the cyanoeutrino uh, and the left ventricular recellular uh, tissue constructs into the diaphragm of the mice. And then we see even after two weeks of cyclic mechanical strain in the mouse, uh, we can still see the iPSC-derived cardiomyocytes shown by the red still clustered um, or organized like that in the native cyanoatrino. And those in the left ventricular um, matrix, those cells actually stay aligned after two weeks. And then we looked at the pacemaking uh, markers in these iPSC-derived cells that were recellarized onto the sinoatrinal matrix versus the left ventricular matrix. So for pacemaking markers TBX3 and TBX18, there's definitely higher expression of those uh, transcription factor in cells that were recellularized into sinoatrinal um, versus the left ventricular matrix. And the pacemaking channel HCM4 is also has, has higher expression in the iPSC um, that were in the sinoatrial matrix relative to the left ventricular matrix. And then the contractile marker connexin 43 um, is actually higher in the left ventricular matrix. So all these are indicating that we have a more of a pacemaking phenotype in iPSC cardiomyocytes that we cellularize in the sinoatrial node. And the last thing we did was, again, to look at the functional aspect of these cells. So again, we used um, the GCAMP uh, calcium-sensitive probe to look at the calcium dynamics in these cells. And as you can see in this graph, that shows the frequency of automaticity in the iPSC-derived cardiomyocytes in the sinoatrial matrix is much faster than that in the left ventricular matrix. And also the amplitude, again, of the calcium transients is actually smaller. Um, so again, this indicates that the iPSC cardiomyocytes seated in the sinoatrial matrix um, maintained the pacemaking phenotype better. Um, so the take-home message is that pacemaking cardiomyocytes can be derived from iPSCs, and we can, we can direct the subtype by looking at the chemical environment, um, such as playing around with the nodal signaling that I talked about, and also providing the right microenvironment, such as the extracellular matrix from the pacemaking tissue. Um, and then stem cells really opens the door to possibility of engineering biopacemakers from human pacemaking cardiomyocytes. And I would like to acknowledge all the people um, past and present from my lab and also my collaborators, Drs. Nipa Van Chami Monvat, Dr. Shaodong Zay, and James Chen. Um, and this work has been funded by a CIRM Discovery Grant to the Lab. Thank you.